Hello, and welcome to this episode of Special Advising No Parent Left Behind, a show aimed at parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities, but welcomes siblings, teachers, healthcare professionals, and anyone interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Mark Ingracia, and I have 34 years of experience as a classroom teacher, parent coach, and advocate. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. Today I'll be speaking with Rich Weinfeld, director of the Weinfeld Education Group, LLC, a group of over 15 educational consultants located in Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia, and now providing virtual services throughout the United States. Rich founded WEG in 2006 after completing a 30-year career in Montgomery County, Maryland public schools. In addition to directing the work of the company, Mr. Weinfeld provides direct special education consultation services to families of students with special needs. Mr. Weinfeld also provides extensive parent and staff training and consults with schools about appropriate programming for students. I'll include the entirety of Rich's bio on the resource page of my website. And now, please join me in welcoming Rich Weinfeld to the show and another win. Hey, Rich Weinfeld, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure and an honor. I'm very happy to be here. I found you through social media <laughs> on Instagram, and um, I actually knew someone who worked with you, and you worked with her, her son many years ago. So um, it's really kind of a cool coalescing of these events, and uh, to have you sitting here in front of me today is, is a real pleasure because I, I, I know now what you've done uh, in the past, and I have a lot that we can relate to, and, and it's nice to speak with somebody who's been through those, these battles in helping parents and children. I, I welcome the opportunity to speak about things I'm passionate about, and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing for families by by doing these podcasts. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So it's, it's becoming a passion. <laughs> I'm really finding that I'm really enjoying it and getting to meet wonderful people like yourself. You know, it's opening up my world, and uh, you know, we all connect and hopefully impacting people's lives positively. So it's great. Maybe we could just start with a little bit of your background. You have a very extensive background. I'm going to post your entire resume on my website so people can see, but just to give people an idea of, you know, who you are and, and how uh, Weinfeld Group got started. Sure. Um, I don't want to take up the whole hour telling uh, <laughs> <laughs> my back. I, I am in my 40, starting my 49th year, so uh, there, there is a lot there. There's a lot there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try and just hit the highlights. I, okay. I, my first 30 years were uh, in a variety of positions in a public school district, Montgomery County, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., I uh, started my career as an elementary school teacher, which was all I ever wanted to be, and I loved hmm. that position. Um, went on to uh, get my master's in special education with a focus on kids with emotional challenge. And so I, I worked uh, over the 15 years, I worked at two uh, centers for kids with emotional disabilities who needed to be in, in separate facilities, and um, that was a great experience. 
went on to uh, direct a regional program uh, for middle school students with a variety of disabilities. And there I got my introduction to official introduction to a group of students called Twice Exceptional, which mm-hmm. um, I realized I had always uh, had a passion about working for. I just didn't have a name for it before then. <laughs> um, and uh, really became very interested in that group of students and was then named the county's first uh, full-time coordinator for all the county's programs and services for that population in Montgomery County. Maryland is one of the few school districts that does have special classroom programs for, uh, for that group of kids, which is just phenomenal. And, um, you know, I was really, really happy to be part of that. Retired from Montgomery County um, now about 18 years ago and wanted to help families to navigate the special ed process to make sure kids were getting appropriate services, appropriate placements. The floodgates quickly opened and I had more than I could do myself. And um, over the past 18 years, I've been adding just wonderful people to my group. And we're currently uh, a group of 15 special education experts helping families all over Maryland, DC, Virginia, and now with uh, the advent of virtual meetings all, all over the United States. So it's, 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 um, that's amazing. We're, we're able to help more and more folks. And I'm very uh, grateful for that. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about your virtual reach. You know, I, I'm, I appreciate you going through that and I appreciate, you know, being able to do it <laughs> with such a brevity. Um, but the thing is that I want people to know who they're listening to because you do have such a breadth of experience and what you have to say comes from, a place of, of knowledge and experience. And so maybe we can just start with, you know, Weinfeld itself, the breadth of what you do. I mean, there's so much to it. So it seems like almost like a one-stop shop advocacy organization um, for parents who need help navigating the system. Can you just kind of explain what WEG is and, and the services that you provide? Yeah, so um, I, um, I like the, you know, the, the idea of one-stop shop, but I will <laughs> say we certainly don't do it all. We, um, mm-hmm. but but the reason I like the terminology is we feel like if parents call them, either we're going to be able to provide the service or we're going to connect them with excellent folks who do provide the services outside of our group. So, so they can really get everything they need for special needs kids through conversations with us and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, our, our referrals, if not our direct work. But um, the key to our work is special education consultation, and that is more commonly referred to as advocacy. And, you know, the reason we use the special ed consultation terminology is advocates can sometimes have a bad name in that um, anyone can call themselves an advocate. uh, There's no certification. There's no training requirement. And also advocates can have a bad name because... Some advocates will just take on whatever the parent's opinion is and just come into meetings um, often adversary, in an adversary way and say, say what parents right. want more loudly or more aggressively. <laughs> That's not what yeah. we do. We, are, okay. we can only be hired, and I make this clear to every parent who calls us, we can only be hired to form an expert opinion about what's best for the child. And once we form that expert opinion, we then are happy to to advocate for that expert opinion to become a reality. But okay. we see the child as our client, not not the parents. So not the parents. We're helping the parents, but we're helping them by 
by focusing on their child and getting the child what they need in order to make progress. Can I ask you how you, how, can I just ask you, how do you find, when you approach the parents, I don't want to call it a confrontation, but if you approach the parents and say, okay, this is what we've concluded, and it doesn't necessarily agree with what you want, do you find that to be a challenging uh, experience with the parents, or do you find that they kind of like respect where you're coming from? And, yeah, and, and it, you know, um, it actually has not been a challenging experience because, number one, we, we set the expectation in the beginning that when you're hiring us, you're, you're going to get an expert opinion. It may agree with what you've already believe, what, what you already believe, what you've already found. Mm -hmm. You know, many of our parents are you know, extremely bright. They've done the research. Of course, they know their kid better than anybody knows them. So it's not unusual for us to end at the same place, but we've set the expectation with parents that they're coming to us to get the expert opinion. And then there's no surprises as we work with them. We're very transparent that, you know, you know I, I observed your child and I saw these things that concern me. That probably is not a good fit for that school you were thinking of because they really don't serve kids with that constellation of issues. So it's a, it's a constant conversation. Um, okay. And um, parents tend to be very accepting of our opinion and appreciative. They want they they uh, think they know what's right for their child, but they want an expert opinion to help them make sure it is, really is the right thing. And right. and and there may be several options too about what is right. And so we we discuss sure, the sure. cons of those options with the parent. So you take them through the evolution of the process along with you. So it's not news at you know the end where we okay we've taken all our knowledge and now we come back with this conclusion and just drop it on it's they're they're carried through the whole process. Right. It's a constant right. conversation yeah. as we're reviewing the records, observing the child, speaking with uh, all involved staff, both in the school and also outside of the school to get their perspectives. We're sharing all that information completely with the parents. So they're yeah. seeing they're seeing what we're seeing. It's really wonderful. I mean, you know, it's something that I feel is missing. And a lot of because, you know, a lot of parents don't have this opportunity. And so they just trust the school system and the schools, you know, they're dealing with all the students. And so it's hard to kind of get that real insight that they might have uh, because no one's taking the time the way your your group can. You have a lot of other services that you do. I mean, the IEP, I know, is a real big part or I believe it's a real big part of what you guys do as far as preparing parents for the IEP process. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, so uh, a majority of the students we serve are students who either are, should be eligible for an IEP or already have an IEP, but the IEP may need some some work, some tweaking. So we, we're extremely knowledgeable about that whole IEP process. In fact, one of the books that I've authored, uh, called Special Needs Advocacy Resource Book, is about the IEP process and what should happen at every stage and and also emphasizes working collaboratively, which is a big value of ours. So um, we, we take the parents and and the case through each of the stages of the IEP, make sure those uh, stages are done thoroughly, that we the team, which we become part of along with the parents, that IEP team really gets a thorough understanding of who the student is, what their present levels are across academics, but also social emotional, yeah. social skills, executive functioning, behavior. 
Um, and uh, that then those present levels lead to goals, objectives, accommodations, supplementary aids, and finally services and a placement. So everything is built I, I, I carefully upon each other to, to arrive at a place that's really meaningful for the student. And the goal is progress for the student. And, and the greater goal is progress towards their achieving their unique potential. Right. And with that in-depth insight, the parents can go into a meeting so much more prepared than a lot of parents typically on average do, where they're just kind of confronted. Many of the meetings I've seen, you know, for the first time, sometimes they haven't even seen the IEP beforehand for whatever the reason may be. And right. they just trust, they trust the school to decide what what's best for their child. And yeah. a lot of families I know that, you know, come from other countries that, that don't speak the language as fluently and may not understand the system as well, they just kind of acquiesce very, very quickly. Like, okay, great, you're the, you're the authority, I'm just gonna trust you. Um, and it may not be that everything serves their child to, appropriately. It's an overwhelming process for parents. Um, I've, I've been at, at an IEP meeting as a parent and, and even <laughs> with my background, it was overwhelming for me because <laughs> you're one parent, maybe two, uh, if you're lucky, and right. you're sitting at a table with five, six, eight, ten professionals, you don't trust your own judgment, really, because you know you're subjective. You know sure. you love this kid, you want everything the best for them, but you don't know, are you overestimating their mm -hmm. strengths? Are you underestimating the challenges? It, it, you, you don't know if your judgment is is really accurate. And then at the same time, you have people telling you things that you're not sure whether to accept or not, but they're doing it so authoritatively, it's hard right. to challenge it. So it's it's a tough experience for any parent. And that's why having a professional with you can make all the difference. How do families find you? A few different ways. Um, of course, we're on the internet and mm -hmm. uh, many, many parents just find us uh, through the internet. Um, we're on a variety of social media and more and more parents are finding us there. But the majority of parents come to us because a professional that they trust has recommended okay. us. Their pediatrician, their psychologist, their therapist, speech, OT. Um, that's, that's where the majority of parents uh, come to us through that, okay. through that process. So then let's move to the virtual component for a second then, because, you know, you're in Maryland and obviously not everybody has access to you uh, firsthand. So does the virtual component allow for people to be able to work with you who aren't in your area? Yeah, that was uh, actually one of the silver linings of the pandemic, <laughs> maybe the only one, is <laughs> yeah, that right. we, we, we learned that we could be effective virtually. And at the same time, nearly every school was and still is offering virtual meetings. Schools are finding they can get better attendance from parents. They can get folks who, who, don't, who don't work in their school buildings, central office folks who should be participating to easily attend the meeting. So there's been a lot of positive right. virtual meetings, but now that has allowed us to serve parents all over the United States. And, and we've been doing that more and more and uh, with, oh, that's with wonderful. a lot of success. And there are a lot of parents 
who are in areas where there are there are no special ed consultants available or or they may not be satisfied with the special ed consultants that that they do have available to right. them in the area it's great because now i can recommend you <laughs> to people Thank as you. well um so i mean you have a lot of services Is there any that you would like to highlight um today that you feel a passion for that you feel is really important for people to know about let me start by talking about our, our newest uh, effort is called Individualized Education Analysis. Yes. And we have developed a, um, a report where we can synthesize, summarize the key elements of a student's records and current functioning. And, and so what we do is we, we take all the students' records, review them extremely carefully, we speak with uh, the professionals who are currently involved with the student, both in school and outside of school. And we prepare a report that shows the strengths and concerns in each of the areas that might affect the student in school. And, and again, that's not just reading, writing, math. It's social skills, social sure. emotional functioning, executive function. So parents get a report that shows strengths and concerns in each of the areas and then a summary of what should be the next steps. And we make a recommendation such as this child does not have an IEP. They, they really should qualify and they do need an IEP. So here's a letter to send to the school requesting that process. And when you send that, attach this report so schools can see that the summary of the child's strengths and concerns. Or it may be a child is already has an IP, but we need we need to upgrade it, tweak it, change mm -hmm. it so it's more effective for the child. So this individualized education analysis can be a standalone service for for families that really may not need an advocate. They just need okay. to have the power of this information in order to be an equal partner at the meeting. Wonderful. It's also less less expensive. It's a finite cost, a uh, you know, lump sum payment that is just right. for the report, whereas advocacy, uh, we charge by the hour, and okay. um, I certainly think it's worth it, but it can the, the price can certainly mount up sure. over the hours that are required to do sometimes multiple meetings to get mm -hmm. to the point of, of uh, arriving at what the student really needs. That just gives parents such power then, you know, walking into meetings. What is the benefit of that over having, or is there a benefit of, of one over the other, or is it just kind of situational as far as having a, an advocate that we spoke about, that you spoke about earlier, that you, your organization provides versus having this piece of information and report that is, as you said, finite. So what, what are the advantages? Um, and maybe is there one over another? There. You know, the obvious advantage uh, of the report is the price. It's going to be less expensive for parents to to just get the report done and not have ongoing advocacy. For some parents, um, they feel very comfortable with uh, their partnership with their current school, and they feel like their relationship is good and they're going to be listened to. And, okay. and in that case, they, they may not need an advocate. Just having the power of this information maybe all they need to help move things along to the next steps that the child needs. Yes. Um, some parents are going to decide after they get the report that they really do need the advocacy and we okay. will offer that as well. It's not, they're not mutually exclusive sure. and certainly doing the report 
prepares um, both the advocate and the parent for for the for the IAP meeting. But our, but our hope is that um, for a lot of parents, this will be enough, and this will help them get to the next step for their child. And again, talking about reaching folks all across the United States, for for many parents, having this report will allow them to be good partners in the process, and they won't need to bring in an advocate from across the country to help them. They'll they'll be able to advocate on their own. No, it's amazing. It's uh, it almost feels like it, it should be something that's mandatory <laughs> in the system. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's interesting that you say that because. Law says that parents are partners in the IAP process. Sure. Most recent uh, major landmark Supreme Court decision about special education was in 2017 called Andrew F E N D R E W. In case folks want to look that up, and there were there were several major conclusions in that unanimous decision of the Supreme Court, if you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to imagine. (laughs) But um, some of the major uh, decisions were a focus on each child making progress. That's the standard that the effectiveness of the special ed program and the IEP is measured by. Is it leading to progress for the child? But going to, to this point, another major point was the parents are an important partner in this process. And so the parents have to, things have to be explained to parents. There has to be what uh, the Supreme Court called a cogent explanation of why the IEP is deciding what they're deciding, why the IEP team might be rejecting what the parent is asking for. Not just uh, this is what we're doing, or this is what we always do, or this is what we have available. (laughs) Why is it appropriate for this child? So that 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 was a major emphasis that was in the Supreme Court decision. Yeah. And so, to your point, how can parents be true partners in this process? Well, hopefully, this um, individualized education analysis will be a vehicle for helping more parents to truly be partners. It's fantastic. Is this unique to your organization? Did you develop this, or is this we did we did, yeah. we did develop it? It is it is a unique report. I have not you know seen anybody do anything else like this. Certainly, the ideas the idea of parents contributing to information about what is their child's present level is not new. But sure, when when parents are asked to do that now. They often don't know what to say. They they, sure. they talk about their worries about the child. They might talk about wanting something different. Right. But they're not speaking the language of the IEP team in terms of here's where my child is functioning in all these different areas, and here's where the needs are that we should be focusing on. Right. Now, you know, now with this report, they're able to do so. It's a game changer, really. I mean, well, I hope so. You know, Thank I, you. Potentially, yeah. for sure. I mean, I can't imagine that a parent wouldn't want something like that. And uh, maybe the more popular it becomes, the more people who can access get access to it. Yeah, be, we hope so. We hope it's going to spread spread you know widely and help help a lot of kids. Right. I know you mentioned that you have a, a strong connection uh, for twice exceptional students. And I think that's something that you don't hear a lot about. And so I thought maybe you could kind of just explain a little bit of what that is, what that means. And, you know, there might be parents out there that don't even realize that their child falls under this uh, umbrella. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Um, love, love, love talking about that topic. <laughs> one, of, one of my books is called Smart Kids with Learning Difficulties, and it really is a very uh, comprehensive examination of who these kids are, what are the laws and, and uh, policies that impact them, and then most importantly, what are the best practices and what do we do. Um, so twice exceptional kids are kids who are simultaneously gifted and also have an area of significant challenge. And um, they may not have been identified with either. Mm -hmm. And there, there are, are actually important reasons why many of these kids do not get identified. They're often their gift and their potential disability mask one another. And they just look like an average kid who's kind of muddling along and not right. really achieving. And they're often categorized as lazy, unmotivated. Um, but when we look deeply and when we, when we uh, get a, um, a strong comprehensive assessment of these kids, we will see on the one hand, they have cognitive abilities that may be above the 90th percentile for, for many of these kids, maybe above the 98th or 99th percentile. But at the same time, they may have a learning disability that's not right. allowing them to progress in reading or writing or math. They may have high functioning autism. They may have um, ADHD, uh, which is interfering with their uh, school progress, speech and language issues, visual impairment, hearing impairment, physical challenges, you know, the, the list goes on. But it, 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 the term really covers any student who is a very bright student who has learning challenges that are impacting them from making the progress you would expect of, of such a bright student. Yeah. And I think that families, you know, they end up believing that, as you said, their child is just just lazy and not performing. It's not something that I've come across very much. And I can imagine that, you know, parents live in that kind of reality of thinking that their child is just underperforming without understanding that there might be more to it. And this, and, and because they're in a, a regular public school or a private school, it's not necessarily being pointed out that they don't have the expertise to kind of recognize it. So there's a lot there to un unpack. You know, parents can 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 uh, underestimate their kids. They can also um, overestimate or not sure. understand what's going on. You know, my I know my kid is so bright. He's he can tell me everything about dinosaurs or about the solar system right, or right. whatever his area of passion might be, but he can't write it. You know, so um, what does that mean? Does it mean that he's lazy and he's just refusing to write? Uh, not often. <laughs> what we're more likely to mean is there's something that is not working between the brain and, and being able to organize his ideas and put them on paper, maybe a physical issue, maybe a processing issue. But it, yes. it, it, it's hard for people to understand that these two things go together. I know when I started teaching... Uh, way, way back, the, the, the co prevailing concept was if you were gifted, you were gifted in every way, right? You know, you were just perfect. <laughs> and and uh, clearly, you know, that is not the way uh, things are, you know, you know <laughs> for anybody, <laughs> you, for anybody, you can look at it just about any famous person, inventors, sure. scientists, and they had their learning challenges. 
uh-huh. you know, so, so and sometimes the challenge, the challenges are relatively mild, but in this group of students, the challenges are significant enough that they both need to have services that address their gift, keeping on nurturing, growing, making progress in that area, but they also need services to address their disabilities so that those skills that are, are impacted can, can be addressed and, and improved upon. And then also extremely importantly, they need appropriate accommodations. Right, so that's, that, that was my, my question. Yeah, so that for example, the kid I was kind of talking about who knows everything about the solar system but can't write it. Well, let's, let's allow him to present that orally. Let's allow exactly. him to create a film. Let's allow him to create a PowerPoint. Um, now, somewhere in his day, we also want to work on addressing and improving his writing skills. Mm-hmm. We have to do both. We have to allow him to flourish and grow and demonstrate his incredible intelligence without the impact of the disability. Right. Some other point of the day, we're also working on improving the skills that are impacted by the disability. I would say put more of an emphasis on the gift because that okay. ultimately... If people are going to be successful in life, in right. career, post-secondary sure. education, it's going to be utilizing their gifts. And there's ways to find, as as I was saying, to accommodate for the weaknesses. So let's let's really um, have students learn to be aware of what works for them in terms of accommodations, become self-advocates to, mm-hmm. to ask for what they need, when they need it. Um, but... Um, and then a smaller part of the day to to address. Let's try to improve those areas that are impacted. Right. It's the kind of thing where if you have programs within schools and you have teachers that are trained in these type of things, I mean, that's the question that I that comes to me. You know, you want everybody to be included. You want everybody to have the same opportunity uh, in school. And so, are there advantages to having? I mean, you worked in a couple of programs with the twice exceptional students. Was it were they schools that were primarily just for those type of students, or you worked in public schools and and that's where you integrated that? Yeah, no, my um, you know my public school career included working with students who stayed in the public schools, and within those public schools, um, for the kids who had the most uh, significant challenges, there were special programs. But the programs were not isolated. You know, they would, students might have some classes or some part of the day um, with a cohort of other students who are twice exceptional. But then there was also opportunities to be included, not just with general peers, but but to be included with gifted level peers because of you know they these kids from the special program had the same cognitive abilities as as those gifted kids. Right. Do. Right. For other kids. The special program wasn't needed, and what might be needed is just a um, just a more minimal special education program, a special ed resource room as one of their seven periods to to get support in getting organized and prioritizing and being able to access technology that might help with text to speech or speech to text software okay. that might allow them to uh, to circumvent their challenges. So um, definitely many twice exceptional kids can be programmed for successfully in public schools. There are also some wonderful private schools 
that focus on this population. And so when I'm working with my clients now, we look at both public options and private options and consider what's best for this individual student. And one thing I'd like to say about my practice, we don't have a bias that every student should be in private school or, 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 or the reverse. We look at one, one student at a time and what is right for this individual student. Again, that is our focus when we're part of that IEP team is let's all work with this one student and really focus on who, who she is, what her strengths and challenges are, what has worked for her in the past, what what might we try, especially in, in an evidence-based way that right. might help her. And, you know, let's not think about what we typically do, what's available in this building. Let's right. think about what she needs and, and then let's figure out how to get it for her. That's fantastic. You talk about on your website about being able to communicate in all different varieties of uh, communication styles. Do you have uh, access to sign language within your program or have you come across that before where you've needed someone to, as an interpreter, do you hire an interpreter? How would that work? I don't believe any of our 15 current special ed consultants, um, and I, I'm, I may be misstating, but I'm not <laughs> aware of any of that that do have that that proficiency, but we, we can certainly bring somebody in to help support that, you know, a, a, as needed. And, and also, this, you know, when we're working with the school system, we utilize uh, the resources they have. And that goes both for something like sign language or for speaking languages. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. serve, we, um, we're involved in uh, some special programs supporting, um, supporting Latina girls in the well, area. That's my segue into the next question. <laughs> that's perfect. I'll let you go, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say you have these programs that, you know, that reach these Latina girls. And so let's just go with it. Uh, tell yeah, me about so, it. So, um, yeah, we we uh, were very fortunate to be brought in on an existing program called Community Bridges. And this is in Montgomery County, Maryland, where um, a wonderful uh, philanthropist named Robin Salomon um, has funded a program uh, to focus on a, a group of Latina girls uh, who um whose parents uh tip in most cases parents uh were were new to this country and many of the girls were born in the united states others may not have been but to focus on their particular needs and their social emotional needs their tutoring needs and then we were brought in weinfeld education group were brought in to look at did, did this group of girls have special education needs? And, you know, what what I actually knew from years of in special education um, is often kids who were speakers of other languages get overlooked for special education because mm -hmm. the focus is on acquisition right. of English. And there are programs in every school district to address the acquisition of English. What, what happens when that coincides with special education is the typical program for acquisition of English might not be enough. Right. Students may not be acquiring English in the time period that we think they should because they have a learning disability that right. affects them, whatever language they're speaking in. Sure. But 
Well, and I would imagine, been... I'm, I'm sorry, I would imagine that could, could delay the process too, because the language could be concealing it for, you know, during these very, very important years of acquisition of that, another language. That's exactly what happens is there's, uh, the, the view seems to be that these, these kids are not, not acquiring English and it has nothing to do with special ed or special ed doesn't really have to focus on this kid because they're already in a program to acquire English. But what, what we found in, in focusing on this group of girls is um, many of them did have true special education needs. They qualified as, as students with learning disabilities or as other health impairment due to ADHD. And we were able to, to have them identified for IEPs and to start receiving special education services. So that, 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 really change things for those girls. So instead of kind of being caught in this system of English language learning, which they could never exit because they couldn't pass the test to show they were proficient, right. now, the focus, now the focus is on using evidence-based interventions to teach them reading, writing, math, so that they can make progress. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, we're, we're very proud of our work in that program, proud to be part of um, this wonderful existing program, Community Bridges. It's really amazing. How long have you been connected with the community bridges? Gosh, I think it's about two years now. Two maybe years, a little bit more. Okay. Um, and uh, the program continues to grow and flourish, and um, it's, it's certainly a program that other uh, school school systems um, and private groups within those areas could could replicate because it's been extremely successful. You also then have programs that work with uh, young African American boys. Can you tell us a little not, bit about not, that? And not just not just boys. Um, oh, okay. There, yeah, there. Uh, we we um, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, we did some introspection as a, as a company, as individuals. What could we do to help make a difference? And we decided to really focus on what we already are doing well, which is providing advocacy services that help individual students to make progress. The the statistics are are um, dramatic and disheartening around um, around um, black special needs students. Um, they're worse for boys than girls, and, and okay. maybe that's why you know you referred to it. But they're they are they are uh, bad for all black special needs students. And what happens is either non-identification for special education often misidentification where um, school systems focus on the behavior of the students and so classify the students right. as emotionally disabled rather than seeing the root cause of the behavior, which may be inability to read, inability to write, inability to do math. Mm -hmm. So within our program, um, we are focusing on the needs of students uh, in this population providing some no-cost advocacy services to these families, regardless of their financial well-being, but just as a way to give back to the, to the uh, Black community. And then providing ongoing services at a sliding scale. So some families will okay. continue, to, continue to qualify for no-cost services. Others will pay a reduced fee if there's a financial need. The program is called Special Education Excellence for Underserved Students, and the acronym is CUS. And um, we've now been uh, doing it for a little over a year. Um, 
served over 30 families thus far. And the same philanthropist who supports the Community Bridges Program, Robin Salomon, is now going to be supporting our efforts to go into individual schools and, and work with a whole cohort of students. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> to, and, and to hopefully not only help the students, but to demonstrate that there is a systemic problem right. that, that the school districts need to address. And hopefully mm -hmm. this can be a catalyst for for addressing those problems. Man, that's powerful. That's really, really wonderful. Making you. You know, We're it's about it. the underserved populations have been underserved for far too long. And uh, so nice to see people doing something about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I really, you know, the, I'll, I'll say that 48 years ago when I started teaching, <laughs> in my first semester of teaching, I remember we're, there's this new focus on underachievement of, of black students. And we're going to, we're seeing the disparity and we're going to work on it. That was 1975. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's we, been a slow, we, slow process. Right? Slow process. There's been many initiatives over the years, but we really feel like this initiative can make can make a difference for, for those students who have special needs. And there's something very real called the school to prison pipeline, mm -hmm. which is it's all about kids who are not identified for receiving appropriate services end up having behavior problems, end up often dropping out of school, and then these kids make up our prisons right. um, to a very high percentage. Sure. Uh, prisons are full of students who have disabilities, much more impactful in, in the black community. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just so happy to have the opportunity to, to have this be a platform so people can hear about this program. And if there's anything I, I can do to uh, continue to spread that word, you know, yeah, we, let I me know I'm in. That. And it is something we are we're we're going to do research through a local university on the program as we go forward, and we're hoping that that'll then be the basis to replicate the program in other school districts around the United States because it's certainly a national problem, mm -hmm. and not just a local problem. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming across a lot of parents who are now or they're in or they're approaching the transition from the secondary level to what comes next. I'm not sure how much your program, because you really are focused on the school's elementary and the high school and, and the IEPs and all those things. Once that's over, a lot of families are at a loss and the system seems to be a little bit short of being able to fully prepare these families for the options. Yeah, no, there's a lot I can say about that. So the, the preamble to the special ed law talks about the purposes of special ed education, and it's to prepare students for secondary education, uh, independent living, and meaningful employment. So mm -hmm. special education is supposed to be all about what comes after 12th grade, mm -hmm. know, or in some, for some kids, what comes after 21, 21. Correct. If, they, if, they, if they have significant disabilities and stay in school. Mm -hmm. uh, in high school for the, for those years. So um, again, part of the law is that beginning at age 14, we should be talking about transition. We should be helping students to understand where they're headed, what their goals are in terms of secondary education, independent living and employment. We should be doing things to help prepare students for that. The reality is, in my opinion, 
we do a very surface kind of job about that. You know, the there's part of the IP meeting where, okay, let's talk about transition. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not very meaningful uh, for most students. There's not a lot of meat to the bones of what yeah. we're doing to help them prepare. And then they graduate <laughs> or, or, or age out. Mm -hmm. And um, then they're at a loss. Parents are at a loss. Right. So many of these kids are living in their parents' basements, right. playing video games, not doing anything meaningful. So I, I think this is a, I'm glad you're spotlighting it. It's a crucial issue. We do have a consultant within our group who is a transition specialist. And so when parents find themselves uh, either approaching that graduation date or after that graduation date and not mm -hmm. knowing what to do, um, we have a wonderful uh, specialist within our group whose career was at a uh, special education school, a non-public school focused okay. on a very... Um, uh, intensive population and providing them with the supports they needed to go on after high school. So she, she knows the agencies, she knows what kids need. She knows how to connect to, young adults right. with what they need for, for going on to the next step. So that's, that is a service. Um, we're happy to connect parents with, but, um, it's a, it's a huge need and it's a, it's, it is. it's a place where there is not enough service. And where we really, after all this intensive IEPs and special right. ed service that, that many kids do receive throughout their public school career, then all of a sudden there's this Just drops off the drop yeah. off where there's Boom. nothing. And it's, right. uh, and what was it all a, for? It's a, big, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big problem. And, um, yeah. we definitely need more professionals to address this. It's great. Uh, um, it's, it's wonderful to hear that you have someone there and uh, definitely would love to speak with that person. I'd love to, you know, to make her avail available to you. Um, okay. Her name is Gretchen Levine. Okay. And uh, you can see her on our, our on our website at uh, either winefulleducationgroup.com or wegadvocacy.com. Same, okay. same place. You offer workshops to parents, educators, and professionals. Can you, can you just talk about those programs a little bit? Yeah. Yes. Thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, we do think that uh, the ongoing education of parents, the ongoing training of professionals is, is crucial so that we can impact more and more students. So we, we do several things. Um, I've, I've mentioned a couple of uh, the books I've co-authored within our, within our group. We've co-authored 10 books and they're they're all um, they're all mentioned and, and available through our website. Can I yeah. uh, plug this one right now? Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just received this, so I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I'm I'm very excited about this because this is this is going to be sort of a new bible for me. I think so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's entitled "Special Needs Advocacy." resource book. And I don't know why I'm having such difficulty saying advocacy today. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so so the, um, that book specifically really takes parents and teachers through the IEP process, what every stage is supposed to do. It's infused with our philosophy of collaboration, because we believe that everybody around that IEP table are people who care about kids. And, you know, that's why they went into this profession. So how do we get that right. team working together for the benefit of kids? Yeah, and, and um, yeah, so I think it can be a very 
valuable tool for for parents and professionals about what what the law says, what's supposed to happen at each each stage, why it's important. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a graduate course uh, that is developed around the information from that book, and that's available through our website as well. It's an online self-paced course. Oh wow! We have we have we have a few special needs courses that are available. They are hosted by a company called CE Credits Online, CECO.com, I believe it is, CE Credits Online. Um, so that's another way we, we do training for, for parents and staff. We do um, frequent webinars. Uh, we try to do one every month. Most of them are free. And again, the information on our, on our website, folks can also sign up for our email list mm -hmm. on our website. Um, the webinars, we, we bring in professionals both from our own group and also outside of our group to talk about a variety of topics related to different disabling conditions, different interventions that work for kids. Um, we recently had a panel uh, talking uh, about uh, executive functioning. I believe we have an upcoming webinar on transition, which you know, you oh, and I really? just, just touched on. So, we um, we do a yearly conference, which is now uh, both in person and virtual, so people anywhere can participate. We call it Diamonds in the Rough as uh, a tribute to the kids that we're, we're working on and, mm -hmm. and, and who are truly Diamonds in the Rough and who we can uncover and help help to see their brilliance and, right. and help, them, help them to shine. Beautiful. And that's a, that conference we bring together um, expert presentations uh we typically devote one day for um a one or two presentations that are focused on professionals and for which they get ce credits and then those same speakers will speak the next day in a, in a um format that's more oriented towards parents although parents and professionals are are welcome and encouraged to come both days we have a variety of breakout sessions on a whole wealth of different topics around working with special needs kids successfully. So it's um it's been a very uh, successful conference, one that people really enjoy coming to, networking with each other. So that's that's uh, that's available through the website as well. That's and then in we October do, that's in the in the fall you said? That's gonna be in October, October. and actually it'll be on your it'll be on your website. It'll be on the website. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we in fact we're just getting the details together for this coming October. We also have been hired by schools, school districts, parent groups to do uh, training on a variety of topics, and those are typically related to our our books and articles, which really cover just about every topic uh, within special education. So we're. We love those opportunities, um, and um, again, you know, please take a look at our website for the for those possibilities. Great, yeah, I'm looking forward to next next October. I would definitely Great. love to be a part Thank of you. that for sure. Is there anything that we might have missed, or anything that you'd like to mention before we wrap it up? Uh, there's been a whole you've you've given us so much information, and there's so much more I know. But if there's anything that you'd like to say before we uh, wrap it up, uh, I'll just summarize by saying. I think the three things about our group that kind of separates us from others is number one, we only hire special education experts. So while anyone can call, can call themselves an advocate, everyone in our group 
has advanced degrees and equally important to us, they've worked in schools before. So it's, so it's not just theoretical. Yeah. They, they know, you know, what works, what doesn't. They also understand what school people are up against and, mm-hmm. and that there are limited resources, limited time, uh, sometimes conflicting messages from uh, the bureaucracy or the supervisors. So, so um, yes, that's an important understanding to come into the meetings with. Secondly, is we I've said it a few times, but we really believe strongly in collaboration. So we don't come in um, in an adversarial way. We don't come in to make the school folks wrong or to blame them. It's about how do we all work together for this one child to to make a difference for them. And then third, um, and I, again, I think I touched on this, but we believe these services should be available for everyone. They should not just be for folks who are affluent. Mm-hmm. So from, from our inception, we've had a sliding scale where we, we, we look at folks' income and then we charge a price that we believe is fair for folks based on their income. We also have these wonderful partnerships, and I mentioned a couple of them for latina girls for now for the black students with special needs where we can bring no cost services we also have um, some community organizations that we have partnerships with like the children's law center of washington um, other organizations that that will either pay for our services fully or help help services so that fantastic we, we can make ourselves more affordable for more people we we know through our surveys that over 90% of our clients see success for their students through our advocacy. So our goal is to bring this service to more and more folks, mm-hmm. regardless of their ability to pay for it. It's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, what I love about what I'm hearing from you as far as the organization's position and just meeting you, you lead with your heart. And that's where I feel like that it needs to be always when we're dealing with children um, and especially these kids uh, that need the little extra help. And uh, it's about the love, you know, and so giving parents that, that, that security that they've got somebody behind them because there's such stresses in their daily lives. You know, I see it on their faces when you can just speak to them as a human being, you know, and let them know that you understand where they're coming from and that you're just there to help. You can almost just see just for a moment, you know, <laughs> just relax, you know, physically before you um, and maybe finally have a smile that they haven't had for a little while. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And that is such an important thing for us. And from the from folks first contact with us, we have a few wonderful folks who answer our phones and they're not picked randomly. They're all they're all parents of special needs kids. So. Wow. <laughs> they understand and they communicate immediately to parents that, you know, I'm, I hear you and we're going to help you and you know, you've, you've come to the right place. It says so, so much about you and your organization that you're that to that to you. that degree, right? That specific about that and that caring about that. It's fantastic. We know, it's we really know as you said, we know folks are under stress and that they're calling us because of some level of crisis and of course, we all um, love our children and would do anything for them. And, and so we want to make sure to meet them at that same point. 
And right. let me turn around and say, um, I, it's clear that you lead with with your passion for kids and your love for kids. And uh, it's been such a uh, pleasure uh, speaking with you and getting to know you as well. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been such a an honor to get to, to sit down with you today. Um, your experience, uh, your history speaks for itself. And uh, just to be able to meet you and you're just such an accessible person. Thanks for being so accessible and thanks for being so willing to share. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. I'll be in touch because when I'm down in Maryland, I want to come visit. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, we'll get together for sure. Set that up. All right. You have a great day. Okay, Rich? All right. Thank All right. Thanks so, so much. Thank you. Take okay. care. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. If you'd like to share some of your success stories with the audience, please send them to my email. Let's show the world what's possible. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. <laughs>